Space Podcast. Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon. Or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out TangiboundNetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains, you can do it. You can do it. Check it out. TangiboundNetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Josh Peterson and I break down the Dark Tower and gauge what kind of success this latest Stephen King adaptation will have at the box office this weekend. We'll also talk the past, present, and future of the Indiana Jones franchise and decide if it's really worth going back for the hidden treasure one more time. We also share our thoughts on what could be the real reason behind the delay of Red Dead Redemption 2 and what sequel to a cult hit has both of us very excited. All this plus a clip from the latest Topicocalypse and Elijah Harrison, a.k.a. Plasma Z, stops by with his latest song and shares his thoughts on the trouble with SoundCloud. It's another podcasting army of super troopers we have for you today as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry, that quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Josh Peterson, he will be on a little bit later in the program, but I really wanted to get into uh, something a little bit different today because there's a serious issue I wanted covered here within the music industry, and that is the future of SoundCloud. The streaming community, uh, as far as from an audio standpoint, it's all up in arms in regards to the future of SoundCloud. 
And who better to talk about the future of SoundCloud with me than a man who has a really great channel that you need to follow on SoundCloud. It's Plasma Z, better known as Elijah Harrison. How are you, my friend? Hello there. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. And yourself? Uh, uh, I'm doing all right, doing all right. It's just great to have you back on the show. And first off, I want to publicly thank you so much for providing all this great music over the past few months. If you get a chance, everyone out there, check out his music on SoundCloud. That's Plasma Z. It's all Zs in there. And uh, it's right there on SoundCloud. He's got a lot of great tracks for you. But I know you have seen the news and have been following it closely on the future of SoundCloud because that is your or has been your main source as far as people following your tracks. Is that correct? Yeah, it's been kind of one of the big main sources. I haven't been following too much in depth because of just the way things have been going for me this year. I've been focusing on more of a physical approach with my music, which it does involve SoundCloud in a part, uh, in part, but you know, I've been trying to focus on getting performances uh, I actually had the pleasure of performing live uh, in Hollywood, and that was incredible. We actually got invited back to Hollywood. So once. Oh, was- that's that's great news. I've actually saw a part of that performance live, and uh, you were tremendous uh, during the during the broadcast. What I saw, and uh, just great to see you doing so well. Well, I, I will let, let you know that SoundCloud itself uh, has had its share of its problems in, the, in recent weeks right. with uh, two different offices closing, 40% of its workforce slashed, and also, uh, you know, what I was actually getting from Yahoo Finance, I was reading their reports, and, and they've gotten wind of news that if there's not something done in, in the next few weeks or so, not not a deal brokered or anything like that, they could be out in as little as 80 days as far as the, the SoundCloud experience being cut right off of the knees. So, so I ask you, Elijah, as far as an artist who has uh, you know quite a bit at stake on SoundCloud, what does this kind of information does for you as far as your relationship with SoundCloud? Man, um... Goodness, as much as eighty days, I didn't read that much, but well, that that's uh, the that's the that's the the estimate that they're they're talking about. Independent analysts have have said they may have enough cash on hand for eighty days. There's right. been also rumors that they might sell a portion, a part, or all of the company. But also, what's been frustrating as well is that there have been opportunities for the company earlier in its lifetime to actually sell or at least have a stake in the business to other ventures, to other companies, but they've chose not to because they wanted to be, you know, the all, you know, they wanted SoundCloud to be all encompassing all themselves, you know, and they wanted to succeed or fail on their own. No, I think SoundCloud ultimately had a, you know, and has had a really good cause and, you know, at at heart soundcloud wanted to try and put the artists first and i understand you know with companies uh it's not always what happens you know sometimes the artist doesn't come first sometimes they have to save their own hide and you know i completely get that it's it's a business but um as far as my involvement with soundcloud goes 
I, you know, personally over the years, I've used SoundCloud. I actually have two accounts. Plasma Z is my EDM account. And then back when I used to do hip hop, which is how I started, um, I actually had, I think I had 1900 followers on that account. I've used SoundCloud over the years for a lot of networking to meet a lot of new artists and to hear a lot of new music and discover a lot of new sounds. And it's been great. But as for actually getting myself out there, it's great to get yourself out there. But if we're being real here, putting yourself out there on SoundCloud is just going to get you out there on SoundCloud more often than not. And this year I kind of stepped up and I was, you know, earlier this year when, when I released my level one album, I was on Submit Hub every day. I was on Submit Hub every day. And, you know, that's a website where you can actually go and submit your music to music blogs and record labels. And I got contacted by one record label and I got two articles written about me by two music blogs. So that's Submit Hub. And that, after 100 unsuccessful submissions and three actual successful submissions in the 103 collectively, altogether, that's more exposure than I've ever gotten on SoundCloud. You know, SoundCloud's never written an article about me. And that's not, that's fine. You know, I'm not asking SoundCloud to do that. I'm not asking anyone on SoundCloud to do that. People rep have reposted my music. People follow me if they like my music. And that's all to do. But that's great that you have other options, other viable ways of right. getting the music out to the masses, and that's awesome that you that you do have that. And there are obviously alternatives to SoundCloud out there. Like you've said, SoundCloud was at one time the biggest name for artists as far as independent artists releasing their music on a, on a platform and getting it out there to the public. There's still many options out there. So as a social media or as an internet option what are some of the things that you're looking forward to now putting your music on outside of maybe possibly continuing with soundcloud if it stays in business so if if soundcloud stays in business yeah i'd love to keep my following on there i think i'm followed by 150 people on my edm account and i've gotten some wonderful words of encouragement and just kindness and people loving the music i produce and i'm really thankful for that um, well, you know, we love you here at the Pop Cultural Cosmos because <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, you know, as one of the mainstays here so far in the past few months, you know, our music choices have really come full circle as far as with your stuff and Hyperschmidt and and just really just we're just so appreciative that that your music really seems to go with a great flow with what we're doing here at Pop Culture Cosmos and even our ads now uh, have your song. So we truly are, are indebted to you for that as well. And I am I am greatly appreciative of that. But yeah, I mean, with other options and, you know, I hope other artists are hearing this as well. There was a time where I completely limited myself to SoundCloud. SoundCloud, Bandcamp, and Reverb Nation were the first three sites that I put myself out there on for music exposure. Uh, now, you know, I used a lot of resources and a lot of them yeah, you can send your music in, but I found Submit Hub to be, and it is increasingly useful. Uh, I found it to be really helpful with, with growing your brand in terms of introducing uh, people to your music. 
You know, you get to submit it to blogs, you get to submit it to record labels. Some of these blogs have YouTube channels, you know. Um, a lot of, of, of big music channels I've also found on, on uh, YouTube, I've also submitted my music to. Like uh, No Copyright Sounds or Hero Board, I think it's called. Um, so those are some other options. There's DistroKid, which is another service just like um, just like SubmitHub. Uh, I use Beatport as a really awesome resource. Uh, kind of just checking. It, it's it's like a it's like a chart. Top one, you get a top one hundred chart of uh, the top songs in EDM, and you can do hip hop as well. Uh, and you're just seeing what's out there, what's popular, what's new, what's hot, what's kind of phasing out. And, you know, that kind of helps you stay current and stay with, with the times and stay trending. So that is another awesome resource. So that's obviously as well. Uh, such services like that are, are obviously have taken a big bite out of SoundCloud. And the way SoundCloud oh, yeah. generates income and revenue has obviously not been enough to cover the costs of what, what they're doing. And it's, it's great to see, though, that that even if SoundCloud's future is a little murky, that there's a lot of great things coming up for Plasma Z. Plus, there's also a lot of services out there like Anchor and others that that you could try that could even still get the word out more. Just just so many great services out there in case that you know SoundCloud does meet an untimely end, indeed. But if SoundCloud does meet that untimely end, just Share your thoughts on what what that would mean to you if something un, you know unfortunate like that would happen. Well, if something unfortunate were to happen to SoundCloud, yeah, it would. I don't think it would be devastating to me. It would suck, uh, and yeah, I'd have to be paying a little bit more attention and find a new outlet for where all of my music can be posted and you know shared with the rest of the world. You know, I have a Facebook page for my artist uh, brand now, which is is nice and it's it's helpful but yeah i I'd, I'd say i would i would definitely feel the effects of of soundcloud meeting an untimely end but it wouldn't you know be my downfall whatsoever uh because you know as an artist and i'm sure other artists out there would agree with me we're going to continue to grow you know it, the ones who who keep putting in the effort we're going to continue to grow and we're going to keep finding new ways to get out there and get our music out to the world and, you know, share what we feel emotionally through music with the world. Um, and like I was saying earlier, you know, there's a lot of other options out there, but yeah, SoundCloud, it, you know, it was, if it does meet its end, it's been nice to have that, that outlet to share my music with people. But I do think that it'll force a lot of artists to rethink how they do everything, how they get their music out there, and maybe be a little more careful and have a lot more of a safer approach. You're saying that artists will be more careful about covering in case of contingencies such as what may go on with SoundCloud. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. For artists such as yourself, that's definitely like like I said, being smarter and being safer about your your products and your music, about how it's distributed, and and having that keen eye on it is definitely very, 
very important to need. I'm, I'm definitely glad that you're doing it. it looks like 100%. So, and SoundCloud looks like, like you said, exactly. And those were very poignant words that it's now a wake-up call to artists to do just that. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely some pointed words indeed from the man they call Plasma Z. And before we introduce a song from Plasma Z, which he's going to do, let everybody know once again how they can get hold of all your great tracks from Plasma Z. Uh, you guys can check me out on Facebook, SoundCloud, and Instagram as Plasma Z. I think on Instagram, I'm Plasma underscore Z. That's P L A Z M A uh, underscore Z. And then I'm in all caps Plasma space Z on. Uh, on Facebook and then SoundCloud, same thing. So, oh, that's awesome indeed. So, <laughs> so check out his music today. I, I know I have Josh and I love his music. We've been fortunate enough to, like I said, on the pop culture cosmos. Josh has used it for humanitarian media stuff, and I just tell you what, his stuff is really great to listen to. And we wish you nothing but the best of success. And I know you're coming back in the near future to talk some Destiny 2 with me as well here in the month of September. So definitely looking forward to that as well. But as we head on out here, we'd love to play our song just before the first break. So Elijah, I will kick it over to you for the song coming up today. And that will be Shadows of Chernobyl. And you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos.
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If this were some tavern tale, all half-truth and senseless adventure. And it's full of demons. <laughs> and it's full of demons. <laughs> Twas disastrous. It's coming, people. It's coming. Pitchforks, sketch pitchforks here. Can't kill a demon without your pitchforks. Dodgers and pitchforks. <laughs> no defense. <laughs> No matter how you spend your life, your wit will defend you more often than a sword. Keep it sharp. Let the wicked hear my voice and tremble. Fly, you fool. Fly. You have to pick a side. You stay on your path or you cross over to me. I wanted to get inside so badly I could taste it. Upon him I will visit famine and a fire till all around him desolation rings and all the demons in the outer dark look on amazed and recognize that vengeance is the business of a man. Caster Quest, now on the ESO Network. ESO, ESO. And we're back to the show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We really, 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 really appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today and thanks so much to elijah harrison aka plasma z for joining us on the program sharing his thoughts on the future of soundcloud if you have any questions on soundcloud or just want to share your comments are you a user or do you like to listen to artists off of soundcloud are you concerned about their future share us your thoughts on pop culture cosmos and yahoo.com but i'm here back again with my good friend he is the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanican Media. He is the all-knowing, the all-powerful, the all-mysterious. It's Josh Peterson. What's up? What up? In my uh, all-powerfulness, I just changed your uh, Lakers flag to a Kings flag, and I changed it back, so uh, you, you might not notice it. Okay, fair enough, but I'll tell you what. I have a very soft spot for both the Kings and the Lakers. But I won't go there. So tell me, Josh, you've got a lot of stuff now back into the fire because you're back into the mix because you're back in doing everything that's great with Humanican Media. So tell me, what's back? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. Uh, yeah, it's kind of getting back into This is actually my third podcast today, so that's kind of a new, uh, new record for me. It is indeed. So tell me, what are the other podcasts that you were working on today? So first off, we we recorded a new episode of Topicocalypse. So you'll be able to hear that next week. And then we also have a, a Super BS coming at you on Monday. And this, uh, this is probably this is one of the best episodes I've done, I feel like. And uh, th there's a new What About This coming next week. I know they've uh, fallen behind on our scheduling here. But uh, yeah, stay tuned. So next week we'll have something for you. And also, we mustn't forget that every Tuesday night on the Podcast Radio Network, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, is Attack of the Humanicans. So that's definitely something to look forward to as well, because there's exclusive content for that specific show, I must say. So definitely uh, something to look forward to. That's 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. So I tell you what, it's been a great time right now for Stephen King fans. We talked about on the last episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos about all the great adaptations that are in the works. But I think the one that the most important one that's writing on, you know, with, with definitely a lot of uh, interest and also a lot of dollars behind it is the Dark Tower. So I ask you, Josh, as a big fan of the Dark Tower, who will be seeing it this weekend with great anticipation, what are you looking forward to 
from the Dark Tower and how well do you think it will play out with audiences this weekend? Honestly, I'm just looking forward to seeing how they adapt it because it's the, the source material is so massive. Like everyone calls it Stephen King's magnum opus. And I think that's why the initial reviews coming out, like people are saying they don't like it because I'm thinking that they don't understand it. Like I haven't seen it yet and I'm going to this weekend, but it's hard to take that story. Like if you were to just pick up the gunslinger, I know we were talking about this before we started, but if you were to pick up the gunslinger, the first book, and you were to read it from cover to cover, you would think that it was like a very cool stylized book, but you wouldn't get it. You'd have to read the next book. Like honestly, you have to go from book one to book seven to fully uh, grasp the scope of the Dark Tower series. So I, I know that they're doing a movie. It's going into a television show. And then they're doing more movies. So I think that once the story gets further along, the people who didn't like this movie will start to see where it's going. Or at least that's my hope. Well, I hope... Oh, well, I definitely think that could be the case as well with a lot of audiences that are still out in that summer type of form and type of you know mind frame. What is the latest movies that are out? They want to go see it. So they'll be, I think, still be wanting to go to see something like The Dark Tower. I think it still will do okay. still think it will do pretty well at the box office. Studios are targeting around the 20 million mark, similar to what happened last week with the Emoji Movie and Atomic Blonde. They're, they're both uh, targeted right around 20, 22 million, and that both one underperformed and one overperformed those expectations. But it looks like the Dark Tower still may win out the uh, weekend. But for something that kind of was maybe expected to look, do a little bit more, be a little bit more for fans. Maybe that's the best you're going to get. But I'll tell you what, can it do well consistently over the long haul, over the next you know, next month or so, to maybe reignite that passion people have for the Stephen King franchise? Do you think it'll have some legs and, and be able to provide some decent quality money for Sony this August? I, I would hope so, because look at uh, Dreamcatcher. That was another one that wasn't so well received by critics but it took it started to catch on like once it hit uh dvd and netflix so I, i'm i'm hoping that the dark tower will end up being kind of like that but like i said it's such a massive story and it's so hard to get the finer details into an hour and a half so i'm hoping that it's good and i'm hoping that it's not just a i'm hoping it's a matter of confusion and not just bad filmmaking if that makes sense uh, that it does. I'm just hoping as well that it will be something that will bring audiences in. Although at a scant 90 minutes, that, that kind of has me worried as far as the actual movie itself. Because as we talked about before the show, I mean, if you're trying to encompass any amount of these seven different stories encapsulating the Dark Tower series, doing it in 90 minutes seems rather difficult, don't you think? Yeah, that's what didn't really make sense to me is that he took such a because granted the gunslinger like the first book in the series is the shortest. You know, it's confusing too because a lot of people are saying just because of the way the Dark Tower ends, some people are saying that this is actually a sequel to the book. So I I won't really know what to think until I see it. But yeah, that's incredibly short because just from what I'm seeing in the trailers, they took parts from so many different books and they shoved them into this one movie kind of like they did with john carter of mars in which case i'm really hoping that it's not like john carter of mars and that 
aspect. Uh, and I hope so too, because it just really just kind of kind of has me on the fence. Very concerned if I should go see it because of the fact it's so short and the adaptation it's it's you know working off of is so long and detailed. So I'm concerned uh, that it will be able to not really justify you know, taking that adaptation in the first place with so little taken from it within a 90 minute frame span. But also as well, you know, there's when you talk about adaptation, so many others, even if it's been a long movie, two, three hours, or even a series, like even Lord of the Rings series, take that for instance. I mean, my goodness, that that series has is basically been weeded out through six two to three hour movies and still there's so much left that that wasn't covered in the Tolkien book so I, I feel like too Sony is you know they haven't had a lot of good luck with major properties so I think that there is some weariness on their part too because I don't imagine you can write a script based on the Dark Tower series and have it come out at anything less than two hours well I, I agree with you there but still I Placing it where they have is actually a smart move because August looks like, as we talked about before uh, on our summer preview uh, a couple months ago, that this was probably the weakest month and the weakest August I could remember in quite a long spell. And it could be anyone's ball game as far as who will come out in the month of August. My goodness, Dunkirk, for all we know, could actually be the top grossing film in August, which would be kind of uh, disappointing indeed because that came out in July. Uh, although that's a great movie, mind you, but still the fact that it came out two weeks before August even started would tell you something there. So if The Dark Tower doesn't succeed, what movie in August will? I'm, I'm kind of finding it hard to see what movie is really going to break out this August, but still at least one movie has got to do so in my opinion. I mean, before in the past we've seen Guardians of the Galaxy and we've seen other films in August have good fortune there. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Dark Tower could be that breakout hit. What are your thoughts on the Dark Tower? Is it something that you're going to see? Is it something that you're excited about? Or are you a little bit worried because of the runtime uh, reviews that are shaky or the actual fact that the substance material is just not what you're looking for in a fantasy movie? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanican Media, Pop Culture Cosmos, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos Show and the PCC Multiverse. I would say Rogue One has a more worn feel. And I love it for that because it looks a lot like New Hope where everything isn't shiny and plastic like the Star Trek films. We always talk about timelines and the franchises that we love. And now it's kind of like, okay, now we're going to do a Han story. Now we're going to do Obi-Wan story. People do still like to go into movies and watch things that are different, watch things that are not related to superhero franchises. With him, you might get the Russell West. Kevin Durant leaves and he goes, I'm not going anywhere, this is my team, finally up it for the long haul. If you're into like very strategic style games and the co-op games in general, it's a highly recommended game overall. And it's a sense of depth and personality that would escalate fighting games to a higher degree. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options.
And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast as always. I just want to say thank you to everyone out there that also downloads the show each and every week. We truly appreciate it because I'll tell you what, the numbers come in. We're just surprised each and every time with each week with when we see more and more people downloading the show as well. And you can also get the shows, like I said, via download and streaming on iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts. Tune in the Ace Podcast Network, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, and the Gunna Geek Network as well. And if you do download or stream our shows via one of those outlets, we throw in bonus material. Like this week, we're going to throw a topic apocalypse in there for you, but sometimes Super BS Gamescast, sometimes something from Rob McCallum Films, maybe Game Source, maybe Wine, Women, and Words. We throw a lot out there, and we're looking for more podcasts out there that want to go ahead and be that bonus material. So you know, if you're interested, send us your suggestions, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. So it was an interesting conversation that was conducted over the past week in regards to Steven Spielberg um, and his thoughts on the Indiana Jones series. And your thoughts, first off, Josh, on the Indiana Jones series, as it hits to number five coming, I believe, in 2020. Is that correct? Uh, Right now it is. Refresh my mind on the articles. It said that he, the Temple of Doom was his least favorite, right? Yeah, I was going to touch on that next, and it was going to basically, you know, they were questioning him on on what they thought was uh, the least favorite of his, and it's actually mine as well. Uh, I know a lot of people do not like and do not care for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I do not care for that movie either, but Temple of Doom is probably one of the worst movies of the... 1980s in my opinion it just is trash all the way through and it's probably steven spielberg's worst movie to date in my opinion it's weird because to me it's um like first of all i i hated kingdom skull did not like it one bit but i did and i'm not saying i liked it either i'm not saying i liked it either but i'm just saying temple of doom hits a new low but crystal skull uh, the kingdom skull i was I liked it in the fact that I was glad to have a new Indiana Jones to watch after so long. So it hit me in the nostalgia sake, but the story just, it, I don't know. Like it, it feels like it, it's a recycled theme, but as for temple of doom to me, it's like, um, no, don't get me wrong. I love the Indiana Jones series. and I love going back and watching them, uh, occasionally, but to me, it's like mortal Kombat. So like mortal Kombat when I was a kid, fantastic movie, loved it. I would watch it over and over again. But I watched Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Cage fight for your mother. But I mean, like, I watched it as an adult. Like, I bought it on Blu-ray uh, a few years ago, and I tried to watch, and I was just like, and the cheese runs through, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just garbage. But to me, it's the same thing with Temple of Doom. So Temple of Doom was like the forbidden Indiana Jones movie because it shows that guy getting his heart ripped out. So I remember as a kid, my parents wouldn't let me watch that one. And I that was the novelty of it was all these kids. It's like The Hangover or Deadpool. You know, they're like. Our parents don't want us to watch this, so we're going to try our very best to watch this. And that's what made it so cool to us as kids. But like, I go back and I watch it now, and it just doesn't doesn't sit well with me. And that's the only seemingly decent part is when the shaman tries to reach in and grab Indy's heart as well. 
but to me, it's like two hours of uh, scratching on the chalkboard with not only the little kid who I think was also in the Goonies as well, uh, and pretty much just as annoying. And then also as well, Steven Spielberg's future wife happened to be actually in the movie and she was extremely whiny throughout. And both of those two combined, two hours just like grating at me and just was really just irritating beyond all description for me. And just so disappointing because I love Steven Spielberg's work. Uh, the Last Crusade and Raiders of the Lost Ark are true pieces uh, of art and true masterpieces. And definitely his work otherwise has been very, very good to great for many, many years. There's some misses here and there, but for the most part, it's been really, really good over the years. And he's one of the great directors of our time. So let's, I'm going to put oh, that out there. Yeah. But yeah, definitely Temple of Doom is it's just trash to me do you think let me ask you this do you think that rage of the lost ark and the the last crusade stand out more because there is more uh, i guess more excitement more traveling more destinations more story whereas opposed to temple of doom you basically arrive at the place where the temple is and that is over half the movie that's also a part of it, but to me, again, a great deal of it was just the simple fact that the the casting uh, and the interaction, and even Harrison Ford in the movie was one of my all-time favorite actors, was just yeah, kind of almost mailing it in for a great majority of the movie. And that when he turned into a mindless zombie-like individual, I thought really it wasn't really differentiating itself much from the rest of the movie in his acting and his performance because he seemed like a zombie throughout the entire flick. Uh, if anything, the first oh, the opening bit, uh, I guess where they were at, was it Shanghai? Was, I, I forget where they were at when they were in the club there in the beginning. I think that was probably the most enjoyable part of the movie, which was very sad indeed for me. But I'll tell you what, that's that's my thoughts. Is that your worst movie too, is the Temple of Doom? Or do you think that Kingdom of the uh, Crystal Skull is that much worse? Or, or or like you're inferring, I think that the first and third Indiana Jones are so well made and so well done that it really stands out above the other two by leaps and bounds. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. And as far as uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull goes, like I honestly don't even... I don't even rank that movie with the other three Indiana Joneses. I don't know why. It's just my, there's such a big disconnect between the original trilogy and the new one that I don't really even put the, relate the, the four movies together. But yeah, I feel like, cause I saw, this is the order I saw. I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, Last Crusade, and then I saw Temple of Doom years later after I saw those two movies. And the first and third movie will always stand out in my mind as like one of the upper echelons of Spielberg filmmaking. And the third movie, The Last Crusade, it wasn't really the plot that was really that super or anything like that. It was the interaction between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, which was just truly hilarious, truly awesome. That's what really made it, it, put it over the top for me as far as that interaction between the two is priceless. Almost like a buddy comedy for the entire movie yeah. that just had me in stitches the whole time. So that's that's really what made it enjoyable for me nonstop. But you also have like the stuff with the like the snakes and the rats and stuff. So like as if you're watching as a kid, you're like, ooh, this is creepy and it's cool and I don't want to stop watching it. Exactly. So it's just I'm hoping for good things with the next installment, which as of now, are, is looking around 2020. So your thoughts on where the Indiana Jones franchise could possibly go in the future, because the past has been all over the place as far as from a standard of quality is concerned. So 
your thoughts on where this this series can go? This is going to sound cliched, but I feel like we're overdue for Indiana Jones in ancient Egypt, or even like you know, un- they pulled it off well in Uncharted, the uh, search for like Shambhala or something like that. I'm I'm if because uh, I know Spielberg is willing to tackle the Crystal Skull topic, that I don't really think mythical objects is out of the question for him because I feel like he has to raise the stakes somehow. Or even Greece, ancient Greece as well. So that's something that they've never tackled as well. Right. So there's a lot of source material. There's a lot of history out there. A lot of, uh, you know, even searching for, you know, a lost pirate ship or something. I feel like that's not beyond his scope of reasoning, but I hope that it's something that is plausible in the, uh, you know, a little bit. So this is why I like, I always compare, uh, I would say like Uncharted is the Indiana Jones of video games, and I, I absolutely love that franchise. But I um, I like the way that the writers of the game handle mythical things. So like, uh, what was the um, is it the first or second one that has the, they go to I think it's Shambhala or the Lost City and has like the blue zombie guys. Yeah, the well, the first one they uh, go and they discover El Dorado. Yeah, that has that has the original zombie guys, and then two. They with each successive game in the series, they kind of got away from the mysticism less and less, as far as that's concerned. They, with from the first one, where uh, spoilers with the fourth one, they just dealt with realistic human interaction for the most part and, and didn't want to deal with the mysticism on the least you're talking shambhala they were also dealing with the blue creatures and whatnot in the second one yeah. all the ice and whatnot that was in which what many consider is the best of the series uncharted 2 among thieves so one of my all-time favorites not my favorite uncharted by a hair but you know when you're splitting such great games all four of them it, it's really just splitting hairs indeed yeah, because I mean, excellent franchise, love, and I can't wait to play the uh, the add-on that's coming out this month. But what I was getting at with like their them handling mysticism is they handle it in a way to where it's still unbelievable, but it's plausible. So I'm hoping that if Spielberg is to go that route, I think he's direct. He is directing the new Indiana Jones, correct? So I'm hoping if they go that route, that they will uh, keep it fantastic and unbelievable but keep it grounded in a way unlike uh the crystal skull was couldn't agree with you more on that those are some great points what are your thoughts on the indiana jones series share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com what is it that makes indiana jones as a movie series stand out to you and which ones did not meet the mustard as far as uh, either Temple of Doom, Crystal Skull, or or maybe The Last Crusade, even as far as in your eyes, as far as Indiana Jones franchise. And do you think the Indiana Jones franchise should continue forward from here? Share us your thoughts, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. 
Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. I'm here along with my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanica Media. It's Josh Peterson. Just want to touch on real quickly. Also have our great show on Monday nights on the podcast radio network, the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. The number one show five months in a row, and it's all because of you. And also Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the podcast radio network. It's a of the Humanicans. Josh's great show right there for you as well. So Josh, 2K recently had its annual investors meeting and we're talking over numbers and how well they're doing and and all that. But one of the things that was also inquired upon was you know, some of the reasoning and decision-making behind delaying Red Dead Redemption 2 to 2018. I have some pointed thoughts on why I think RDR2 got the delay, but I want to hear your thoughts on why Red Dead Redemption 2 is not going to see the light of day with gamers until next year. I think that uh, 2K Games has kind of just rediscovered how popular Grand Theft Auto is. You know, they re-released them on PS4 and Xbox, and especially with the modern nation coming out, I feel like, I mean, they'd be dumb not to try to like cash in on that fad while it's still popular and i'm sure that once red dead comes out people you know they'll have less players on that scope but i think it also has to deal with the fact that red the red dead games like especially the last one they are absolutely huge games like the open world is huge everything about the game is just massive so personally i'm okay with them taking more time or needing more time or whatever to finish the game but you know as far as like the grand theft auto's popularity right now is kind of at an all-time high so they should strike all the irons hot but at the same time don't leave us hanging who are you know us looking for red dead like i feel like if they're going to delay it they need to at least like keep pushing stuff out like show us some videos give us get us keep getting us hyped for the game well i uh, have a, a similar type of uh, reasoning as well I just think GTA 5 success is the reason why RDR 2 is not seeing the light of day at this point in time, and it won't until 2018. You can tell me all the production delays you want. You can tell me about all the possibilities being endless that are being created that is causing it to be a little bit longer than originally anticipated. But I think the game is, for all intents and purposes, in the home stretch and that they're just working out some maybe some kinks and whatnot. In my heart, I think the game could have shipped when it was originally designed to do so, but got pushed back to 2018 because GTA V is doing so well. This is just my opinion and opinion only. I just see that you know when 2K announces during its investor meeting about how the GTA online community is larger than ever. And obviously the fact that GTA 5 is still, what, four years, basically four years later, still in the UK and the US in the top five, if not number one on occasion each and every week and each and every month 
on the sales charts for video game sales, that's truly amazing that it has this kind of legs. I don't even think the previous GTAs, even though those games really had legs, that GTA 5 is consistently even beating those games as far as sales concerned, even that of recent hits that have long standing and still today like Minecraft. They're, they're, it's just amazing how far and how much reach this game has has received and how many, how many sales it's garnered over the years. And I'll tell you what, GTA 5, I think, is just hitting such a sweet spot with audiences. There's no reason to bring an RDR out yeah. this soon. It's showing, too, that the mod community is a massive community and that I'm sure, pretty sure they're a really large chunk of gamers and they need to be catered to because that's a big market for them. Oh, it's a huge market for them. And they still haven't even said when a PC version would be released after that because right now all they have on the plate is PS4 and Xbox One. But one can assume that a PC version of RDR2 would be developed and, and be released somewhere near the release time, if not at the same time as the PS4 and Xbox One versions when it comes out in 2018. But that's my opinion, uh, and I think you had some great thoughts as well on why RDR2 is really not going to see the light of day until 2018. But I just think it's all about GTA 5, and if GTA 5 is selling this well, you don't want a, I don't want to say similar, but in structure it's going to be similar in the fact that it's going to have a robust open world, and it's also going to have an active online community of its own. And you don't want, you know, even though they say in statements and interviews that one is not going to cannibalize off each other, I disagree. I think once RDR2 comes out, like you said earlier, that I th that it will cannibalize at least a portion of GTA 5's online community. And that might finally spell some doom to that game sliding down on the charts a little bit. But my gosh, I tell you what, any game publisher or any development company would, would just love to have that kind of sustainability in sales. Uh, I just didn't think, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, that GTA 5 would continue to sell this big, this well, this often. And just the future, it looks great for GTA 5 going forward for the rest of, of the year. So why bring out a game this soon when you have that kind of success going forward? What are your thoughts on Red Dead Redemption 2 and its delay to 2018? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanic and Media, popculturecosmos, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. When we return, we're going to bring you a little clip from Topic Ocalypse, the latest one that's out. And then we're going to close the show with a sequel to a cult hit that Josh and I have some good words about that we're hoping will come out and is just as good as the original, but we're not quite sure when it's going to hit. We'll talk a little bit more about that after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Rob McCallum Films is back in 2017 with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films.
Welcome to Topicocalypse, where four, sometimes more, educated and or opinionated people gather around a table to discuss random topics for your amusement. I'm your host, Josh, and I'm gathered, um, joined here today by Jake, Jasmine, JB, and the usual suspects, Daniel and Eddie. I mean, look at like where are the United States going now? It's not crazy to say there could very well be another civil war. No, it's and, not crazy at all. And years to come, whether it be got, over the Second Amendment, whether it be what over religion. What started if it's over what, the Second what, Amendment? It's real easy to know who's going to win that war. Yeah, what, like, like, like what originally started the civil? What, what was the first thing that started the movement in the South towards civil war? Was secession. You've got. You had Texas, if Hillary won, they were going to secede from the Union, which they're the only ones that legally can because of the way, they're written, the way it's written up. But then now, okay, Trump wins, and now California's going to secede from the Union. Good luck. Good luck. And two, you can't. Will it get cheaper to live here? No. no. <laughs> It'll get more expensive. Yeah, but you know what I mean? So it's like, like you said, you know, history is easily repeatable if you don't, if you're not educated enough in it. And so with taking these things down, you're... In, in my opinion, you're, which that's kind of contradictory to what I said, but anyways, yeah. But you know, if you but, look at it, it's you're, you're just asking for something bad to happen. But go, but like going by like the standpoint of oh, we should take those statues down because they're evil. Well, how long before we bulldoze the missions here on the west or the south southwest mm-hmm. because of what the missions brought? Mm-hmm. How they forced Native Americans to convert, and if they didn't, they were beaten until they did. You know what? It was basically a push Catholicism. So what happens? Do we tear that history down to? Where does it stop, essentially? Yeah. It's fine. Slippery slope. Because, like, in Detroit, they have in their parks, they have, like, statues of uh, Karl Marx and they have all kinds of, like... Richard Marx? Great singer. Yeah. Groucho <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marx? Uh, what's his Malcolm X? And, like, it's just... You know, we, we, there, there are people who have done worse things than some of these... It's all well, they, What is it? In again. Portland, they have a statue of linen, like, on one yeah. of the corners. Yeah. How many well, millions well, of people did he kill? Well, Portland is a little weird, and they pride themselves on that. So, yeah, but it all depends. It's all perception. Like it's all yeah. how things are perceived. It goes back to like what JB was saying is like you know you, you know you perceiving things. Like I perceive like you know that it's the millennials' fault that you know so whatever. It's just how you look at it. It's just we're so easily offended. This it's easily this, offended. This, yeah, and it's just also then it goes back to you saying okay, well why do you have to be right? Well, I wanted this torn down because of this. Well, I, you shouldn't have because of this. Now who's right? Whoever in the court of public opinion has more people liking their posts on Facebook or arguing against it on Facebook. Because if it's arguments, you won. But yeah, <laughs> that's topic apocalypse available this week on all Humanican media outlets. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Do you love pizza? Do you love brothers? Then you'll love the Pizza Bros Podcast. The Pizza Bros Podcast is a weekly show where two brothers discuss all things pizza. Pizza snacks. Pizza fashion. Pizza tech. Pizza history. And don't forget the epic Saucy 16. We review pizza from local restaurants in the Pacific Northwest. And let you know if it's worth your time and money. Each episode is only about 13 to 30 minutes. So it won't take up most of your day. Served up hot and fresh every Wednesday. The Pizza Bros Podcast. 
wherever podcasts are sold. We don't sell our podcast. And we're back to close out the show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson of Humanican Media. And Josh, do you remember the beloved movie that actually thrilled a nation? Okay, well, it didn't thrill an entire nation, but it thrilled uh, enough people to warrant a sequel eventually because it's been a cult hit for many years, and that's Super Troopers. Share us your thoughts on what you thought of the film when you first watched it. I my honestly, the first time through, I was I was wondering to myself, what the heck am I watching? And then eventually, like I got to the part with the Winnebago, and I just started laughing uncontrollably. And then I loved the movie, so I watched it several times afterwards. But yeah, I I didn't get into it until after it hit DVD. I'd never saw it in the theater, never heard of it. I was at Blockbuster. I was at Blockbuster one night. Cruising through the uh, DVDs. Callback. Uh, yeah, and lo and behold, Super Troopers right there. Cops are upside down on the cover. I'm like, yeah, this could be funny. Watch it. Became an instant hit. Went out and bought all of Broken Lizards movies after that. So I've, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm super excited. This is one of those sequels. Like, it's, it's not quite the gap between Blade Runner 1 and 2, but it's pretty darn close. I feel like it's going, they still have enough creds coming off of Beer Fest because that's still a classic movie that gets played on TV all the time. So I, I feel like it's one of those sequels that people will go and watch. And if anything, it might reinvest interest in the first one too. Well, I also think that it's going to be at a similar cost to what the original Super Troopers will be relationship-wise, even though, yes, adjust for inflation and all that. But it will be a similarly low budget film so it will have low expectations fox searchlight right They're they're indie uh indie branch so yeah yes. i imagine it'll be pretty low budget yeah so it really will have a low threshold to break through in order to gain some type of success so definitely looking forward to that as well because like you i thought the movie was just really a trip and uh definitely an you know, enjoying experience to watch and uh, just hilarious uh just you know just best describes the movie itself so definitely looking forward to seeing a super troopers 2 which has already wrapped up in production but has yet to announce a release date so who knows when it could come out maybe it's going to be something early next year maybe something before the end of the year but we'll keep you updated on when that might be check out pop culture cosmos on facebook and as soon as we get word or you check out our feed on Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. So you can get that constant news from Pop Culture. And we'll, as soon as we'll find out about the release date for Super Troopers 2, Super Troopers, we'll uh, go ahead and share that and pass that along with you. And Josh and I will be right there in the theaters once it comes out. So definitely looking forward to that. What are your thoughts on a new Super Troopers coming out? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Are you excited for one? Do you really care? Do you even really know what the series is all about? Did you even see the first? Or do you really think this is one cult hit that is really not meant to have a sequel? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Humanican Media, Pop Culture Cosmos, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Before we head on out, you want to share one last time what's going on with the wonderful happenings at Humanican Media? 
Yeah, a lot of podcasts this week. So actually, you'll podcast you'll listen to next week. So you have Topicocalypse, new episode. Uh, I just put the last part of episode two up uh, earlier today. You can download it now on podcast.com. And I think I, I, I did put it up on YouTube, so you can watch it on there too. Yeah, so we have a brand new Topicocalypse, a new Super BS Games cast, a, hopefully a new What About This, and there might be something else new brewing assuming it happens, so I'll let you know as things develop there. And also a new attack of the Humanicans on uh, Tuesday night on the podcast Radio Network. That's right. 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Check that out. And also the Monday show, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the podcast Radio Network. And if you can't catch it there, you can always download it on one of our many, many downloading and streaming options. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESOnetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to Topicocalypse, where four, sometimes more, educated and or opinionated people gather around a table to discuss random topics for your amusement. I'm your host, Josh, and I'm gathered, or I'm joined here today by Jake, Jasmine, JB, and the usual suspects, Daniel and Eddie. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Eddie. All right, so a big one in the news lately is like the removal of um, down in the south, the removal of like historical oh, monuments. This one's getting deleted, so I mean, come on, might as well go for it. Um, how do you guys feel about that? I think that's dumb that they're removing it. We're, we're trying to erase history. My yeah. my. Um, so I had I have four ancestors that fought on the Confederate side, and I have two that fought on the Union side. That's so why that explains. So I'm, yeah, right? That's why I can't solve anything ever. I'm, I'm just very conflicted. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of people are like a lot of people don't even know why they want these monuments pulled down. Like they don't know. what well, granted, it's maybe it's in poor taste of because they have an opinion. Confederate flag. Well, so, there so of, like, on the flip side of that, real quick, a Facebook post is why you know all these. I, 
Well, yeah, just hiding things. Real quick, it sounds like if Facebook didn't exist, all of our problems would be solved. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, it's because we wouldn't uh, really know. Like, <laughs> it'd be like, oh, did you guys hear they're removing uh, monuments from the south? Oh, that's cool. If I don't see it, then I don't care. But when someone starts an S storm about it, and that's what. But it's like you know, people. You can buy, you know, an ISIS flag, or you can buy, you know, a Nazi flag, but you can't fly a Confederate flag. So it just depends on who you want to offend most. My my favorite story about that is there was one guy who uh, tried to get a Confederate flag um, on a cake from some bakery, and they wouldn't do it. And then so we called back later and got them to put an ISIS flag on it. And they're like, oh, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that one went up big on the news. He's like, Burn it are down. you kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? I can put a terrorist flag on this cake. You want to put a Confederate flag? Well, I think, I think that ties back into opinions. Like, remember when it used to be great to be in this country and you could talk to your friend about anything you wanted to. And now it's like you feel like they want to pull a knife out and... They don't know who you are and want to stab you. Oh, yeah, for real. I mean, think about this. I mean, if we didn't have an opinions and differences and talk about things, this country wouldn't exist. The revolution wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have sat and said, hey, we want to fly our own flag. We want to be our own people. You know, would slavery have ever ended if we didn't sit there and say, hey, you know what? This isn't right. Mm. It's Let's fun. have a debate about this. I mean, there was yeah. a time where we literally we went to war over something like it's, this, it's and we're fun. trying to get rid of it. It's funny to get historical with you. The uh, after the Civil War ended, the Emancipation Proclamation freed all the slaves in the South, but it let them keep them for another like three or four years in the North. So it's just people make these arguments and they don't let, they don't actually like do the research on what this stuff is. My brother, you, you does, act like you had. Family members fight the Civil War. My my brother did Civil Civil War reenactment, so me and my dad are like obsessed with the Civil War. But racist. Yeah, but isn't there like there's also <laughs> after the after the slaves were freed, they still stay because they didn't know any other life. Well, they didn't know any other life, but yeah. the, the Emancipation Proclamation quote freed the slave because at the time the South was technically a separate country. Yeah. And then the Emancipation Proclamation is like, yeah, this has an effect on a different country, and the South was like. Nope. nope. So, but, it, but at, at the same time, too, only like two percent of Southerners actually own slaves. It yeah, I've heard. Of, I've heard it was three percent. Yeah, yeah, it's like three percent of the country can make a huge difference. I've heard it was also three percent that actively fought in the Revolutionary War. Three percent of the of the people in the South owned slaves, but at the same time, yeah, like we wanted to free the slaves, but the North. They didn't want black people either. So I mean, they tried to come north, and they're like, no, 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 they're Go like, back no, to the you, south. Know, you know what? We're going to free you in the South so you don't come here. Yeah. And all they knew and all they could do was farmland in the South, which ended up being pretty much the same thing as slavery when you had all these um, uh, cash crops. Texas they all bills. They were growing tobacco and cotton and doing all the same thing they were doing under slavery, only yeah. now they were being paid a meager wage instead of no wage at all. And also, like, with the introduction of mechanized labor or mechanized farming. Like, yeah, like the cotton gin. Slave, slavery would have, like, faded out within the next two or three years anyways. So, and so it's, it's funny, like, Eli, Eli, what's his face? Whitney, right? Eli Whitney, yeah. who invented Not the cotton gin. Apparently, he wanted the cotton gin to, like, end slavery. He's like, dude, now you can have, like, two slaves do the work of like a hundred. Yeah. Then he introduced the cotton gin and everyone's like, ooh, that's but awesome. See, Give me that, twice as many slaves. <laughs> but see, on that thought, would it really have ever ended slavery? Because the whole reason that it was never addressed in the Declaration of Independence to begin with um, and the Bill of Rights was because it was thought that as a, as a civilized society, it would eventually just take care of itself. So it was never addressed at that point. Right. 
So I, I, I don't think it ever would have went away if we didn't have a civil war and an emancipation proclamation on top of that. So I don't, I don't, I don't, it, I don't buy that. It, it's weird because like we, everyone always wants to call, call like Southerners like traitors. A lot of those people fighting, like they were forced to fight. They didn't like, they didn't say, oh yeah, we're going to go and fight because we want other people to keep their slaves. Like they were, they were fighting because like the, the union was coming across and like rape pillaging and plunging like their lands. Like they were murdering their families. Like they yeah, were it was like Sherman's March to the Sea. Bad people. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I mean, I, it feels like the most vicious side wins the war. Mm -hmm. Like Sherman's March to the Sea. I can't remember anything really about it, but it was this guy named Sherman who marched to the sea. Yeah. 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 Thank you. How uh, I he marched from, like a few states inland and just went from like this whatever state he was in and he marched east to the ocean and on the way exactly what you're saying raped, pillaged, and plundered like they they burned houses burned plantations killed and raped women and they just massacred sure. whatever they could yeah. and sure. that, that decimated the south it, it, it's you know, just it's, like to, to the victor goes the spoils and also to the victor goes the history but, yeah. see, but see that's what that's what worries me when you take those monuments down when you have a kid that's walking through the square mommy who's that? Oh, let me tell you the story about the Civil War. Because yeah. think about it. In our in our elementary school, junior high, high school, you don't have enough time to dive into this kind of stuff. It's just brush through it. Mm -hmm. There's so many things I learned when I got out of school. I'm like, you know what? Why do we celebrate Thanksgiving? Like, who was Christopher Columbus? Yeah. And in school, you're taught, oh, Christopher Columbus founded America, and he was this great guy. And then you start reading about and it. And he brought like, syphilis. And you're just sitting there, and you're like... <laughs> syphilis and smallpox. You're just like, oh, <laughs> wow. You mean the Thanksgiving celebration was when, you know, after they helped a, a tribe defeat another tribe, and they were sitting down there enjoying a meal. You know, it's that's not like this huge amount of knowledge, that's, and it's it's funny too. Like with the story of Pocahontas, everyone's like, "Oh, and John Smith fell in love with the natives." But what we did to the rest of her tribe was we sent them all smallpox infected blankets. So I mean, it's well, don't not, say we never gave them anything. We gotta try to take away just take out humanity media. We, we, try, yeah. we try to argue historical things without actually doing any research too. Like if you notice, a lot of people on Facebook will say, "Back to Facebook," but they'll say. Uh, they'll when you're arguing civil war, they'll put a quote up by Jefferson Davis and says, you know, obviously it's racist, but for every racist quote by Jefferson Davis, there's one that's like twice as bad by Abraham Lincoln. So it's just like it depends on where you where you look and how you're looking at history and what your motives are. But it, like, it's just how long before it just disappears. Like, think about how long before you no longer hear about the Holocaust and it just mm -hmm. disappears, you know. Well, if you're in Saudi Arabia, that's today. <laughs> yeah. So it depends on the world. You know, even in Germany, it's not something, you know, that's... Well, in Germany, oh, we, we it's huge. Yeah. Like, if you do, the, like, the, the Nazi salute, I've heard that's, like, two years in prison. Oh, yeah. They, they try any... It's interesting. They try to hide... You can't be... It's kind of like if you're, like, a proud American. If, if you're, like, I'm sitting out there holding a flag, yeah, America, it's like... You'll have groups that'll look at you like you're this... You're anti-anything else. Oh, you're a fascist. Exactly. That's my favorite. It's, it's the same in, like, I feel like Germany because I feel like if you have national pride, you're a Nazi. And you believe that's what it stands for. But see, uh, but it is kind of flip side of that because, like, my neighbor, she went and visited... You know, she went to Germany. She goes to, England, you know, goes to England, goes to Germany every year. And, you know, she lived there when she was in college and all that stuff. She goes, if you go there, it's something that... It's not like they openly talk about it. But you'll still see signs of things, and if you bring it up, people will be like, look, yeah, it happened. That is our, unfortunately, that is our history. But look where we've come since then. Right. And so it's kind of like, but I don't your point, like with taking down all these monuments in the South, I don't feel one way or the other about it because I really haven't looked into it that much. And so I don't have, I'm not educated enough to have a you know valid opinion on it, I don't think. But it's like, 
still, like you said, okay, yeah, it happened. Who's that? Oh, that's so and so. This is you know, that's Robert E. Lee. This is what happened. You know, but this is where this is what got us to where we are today. Good, bad, or indifferent, we've come a sort of a long way from then. But then you know, history repeats itself. Apparently. But I think, but I think that's what piques our piques kids' interest. I think that's what piques us to have conversations. But I think that because kids are a, we don't they're have a visual. But I think that, but I think that just goes to prove the point the, where we don't rug. I think that just goes to prove the point. Well, we don't want to talk about that. We're just focused on the future. Yeah. But if you forget the past, the future is easily repeatable. Easily. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, look at like where are the United States going now? It's not crazy to say there could very well be another civil war. No, it's and, not crazy at all. And years to come, whether it be got, over the Second Amendment, whether it be what over religion. What started if it's over the Second what, Amendment? It's real easy to know who's going to win that war. Yeah, what, like, like, like what originally <laughs> started? So what, what was the first thing that started the movement in the South towards civil war was secession. You've got. You had Texas, if Hillary won, they were going to secede from the Union, which they're the only ones that legally can because of the way, that they're written, the way it's written up. But then now, okay, Trump wins, and now California is going to secede from the Union. Good luck. Good luck. And to, you can't. Will it get cheaper to live here? No. no. <laughs> It'll get more expensive. Yeah, but you know what I mean? So it's like, like you said, you know, history is easily repeatable if, you don't, if you're not educated enough in it. And so with taking these things down, you're... In, in my opinion, you're, which that's kind of contradictory to what I said, but anyways, yeah. But you know, if you but, look at it, it's you're you're just asking for something bad to happen. But go, but like going by like the standpoint of oh, we should take those statues down because they're evil. Well, how long before we bulldoze the missions here on the west or the south southwest mm-hmm. because of what the missions brought? Mm-hmm. How they forced Native Americans to convert, and if they didn't, they were beaten until they did. You know what? It was basically a push Catholicism. So what happens? Do we tear that history down too? Where does it stop, essentially? Yeah. It's Slippery slope. Because like in Detroit, they have in their parks, they have like statues of uh, Karl Marx and they have all kinds of like... Richard Marx? Great singer. Yeah. Groucho Marx? What's his Malcolm X? And like, it's just, you know, we, we, there, there are people who have done worse things than some of these. It's all well, that, What is it? In yeah. Portland, they have a statue of linen like on one yeah. of the corners. Yeah. How many millions well, well, of people did he kill? Well, Portland is a little weird, and they pride themselves on that. So, yeah, but it all depends. It's all perception. Like it's all yeah. how things are perceived. It goes back to like what JB was saying is, is like you know you, you know you're perceiving things. Like I perceive like you know that it's the millennials' fault that you know so whatever. It's just how you look at it. It's just we're so easily offended. This it's easily this, offended. This, yeah, and it's just also then it goes back to you saying, okay, well, why do you have to be right? Well, I wanted this torn down because of this. Well, I, you shouldn't have because of this. Now, who's right? Whoever in the court of public opinion has more people liking their posts on Facebook or arguing against it on Facebook. Because if it's arguments, you won, but Yeah. <laughs> did, did you just tie a knot on this episode? Look at me go. Woo! Look at that. It's one small package. All right. Hey, well, this has been episode two of Topic Topicocalypse. Um, you find us on Facebook or YouTube, podcast.com, iTunes. Unless it's uh, been deleted. Unless it's been deleted again. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Facebook, like us, share, whatever. Um, all right, thanks for tuning in. Peace. Peace. Yes. Yes. Yes.
Hey everyone, venture into the pop culture cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. That's uh, to us people that can feel things. It it uh, it hurts. 